there. You're listening to the Park Rush podcast. This is a theme park podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. Hello there, Josh. How's it going? I'm good. I'm very good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. I appreciated... Survive the the blistering heat? The hello there was so elongated that it actually cut out halfway through and then came back towards the end. The connection between us simply couldn't cope with the length of the hello. Obi-Wan would be proud. It's just the the hello is so fire that uh, it overwhelmed the line. Indeed, yes. Almost as fire as where we live the other day, which was engulfed by flames as the UK suffered its hottest day on record got up to around 40 41 degrees in parts of the country which Balmy. yeah is i think the probably the hottest i've been it's got to be in the top three thinking top three hottest places that i've been they are probably dubai uh dartford the other day and it's a toss-up between the Bush Gardens car park and the Bush Gardens Serengeti Express, Dartford overtook the inside of a McDonald's apple pie the other day. That's been pushed <laughs> down into fourth place. Yeah, I think but so. Bush Gardens is right up there. So appropriate that today is the day that we record the Bush Gardens 2022 trip report. For sure. Uh Bush Gardens, Tom, I'm not a big fan of the map. What's wrong with the map? What's wrong with the map? I feel it feels, uh, I guess this is kind of the vibe they're going for, but it feels like they're trying to make it look like it's, you know, sprawling, you know, kind of in the, almost in the Serengeti, the whole thing's kind of in that sort of vibe. Uh, so there is no delineation of where the end of the park is, other than there are no rides further than this part you know it's all just green space it's kind of uh yeah kind of kind of odd actually i think but well it is very spread out i i I don't know for certain if it's the biggest theme park that i would have been to but it certainly feels the biggest of all the florida parks but at the same Mm. time it's not like everything is on top of 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 each other it's it's quite spread out and you can walk long distances without seeing a great deal other than just sort of soaking it all up really i mean to be fair it's rare that you walk too far without at least going past some sort of animal enclosure but the rides for sure are fairly spread out which i don't know on the one hand is quite nice i think it depends what mood you're in when you're at the park it can feel a bit endless and aimless if you're looking to kind of get stuff done at a fair rate of knots which was sort of the case this year bush gardens it felt a bit like an obligation just because of the type of tickets we bought it kind of got thrown in so it wasn't something that we were kind of basing the trip around this year we only went the once whereas in previous years we'd often go to bush gardens two or three times but yeah as i say on this occasion just the one trip so it was kind of like we really wanted to just kind of get stuff done as quickly as we can and not leave anything on the cutting room floor. It was also extremely hot on this particular day. 
It was probably the most unwell I'd felt. If people have listened to previous trip reports, you'll know that some sort of bug did sort of sweep through the family uh, over the course of the trip, left some bed-bound, some unable to go to theme parks on certain days. I was never that bad, but I'd say the closest I got to not really wanting to go out was probably the day that we actually went to Bush Gardens, and I did drag myself there, but by sort of the halfway point, I was feeling a little rough. So, you know, take that in mind uh, when, or take that into account as I speak about my experience of the park on this particular occasion, uh, because it did kind of rub me the wrong way a little bit, but hopefully... Hopefully, I'm not too much of a Debbie Downer about it. It's certainly not a SeaWorld oh. situation. I, I think Bush Bush did well compared to SeaWorld, at least. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I think uh, anything could, could potentially do well against SeaWorld. Even uh, that weird theme park, amusement park on International Drive would do well against SeaWorld these days. Oh, I think that's a little harsh. But but Bush Gardens, I mean, does have some of the same issues as SeaWorld, it seems, at the moment. Staffing definitely seems like a problem. There were, I think the only thing I saw more frequently than animals at Bush Gardens this year were signs saying, we're hiring. Uh, <laughs> I, I think just to kind of, uh, kind of man shops and and food places. There seemed to be a lot of those that were closed, although some of the animal exhibits were also empty for various reasons, and I wonder if they'll end up at a point where you're going to have people dressed up as lions and tigers and bears, oh my, like Roller Coaster oh Tycoon 3, just wandering around. Uh, in fairness, I think I'm right in saying that all of the animal enclosures that were empty were birds because of uh, avian flu, in the area so for example oh. the flamingos were were not out and about and the aviary which you can walk through and have sort of various parrots and whatnot land on your shoulder and you can feed them that was closed so that was a little bit of a shame but i think all the other animal enclosures were fully stocked if you like in the case of the wallaby walkabout overstocked as ever but you know, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. As ever, Josh, I'll let you kind of guide us around the park with this map that you despise. So I'm sorry that you're going to have to stare at that for the next 45 minutes yeah. to an hour. But, you know, we'll we'll see how we get on. There's plenty of rides which will hopefully lift the mood here as we talk about them. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, I, I'm always never sure where to head with Bush Gardens when we've been... Uh, the map, I, I, you know, I'm a good, I find myself as a good map reader, generally speaking. Um, but this map has, or the, the the layout of this park has always given me uh, a bit of the heebie-jeebies. It's a bit of a mess in my mind. Um, so usually, uh, I mean, last time I was there, Guazi was still open as Guazi. Uh, so it's some time ago now. But mm. that would be stop number one for me. Uh, now that we're uprated, upgraded, um, added some iron to the uh, diet of the Guazi, is that where you headed first? It is, it is, but w there was a kind of immediate setback because they ran into some technical issues with the lap bars. So whilst we did oh. head to Iron Guazi first and it seemed like 
they did have uh, they were able to run it for a short period by the time we'd got round there which was about nine o'clock they actually let people in a little bit early which uh was quite unusual for bush gardens i feel quite often you could turn up and it feels like you've got there before most of the staff <laughs> and nothing <laughs> yeah. actually really open yet whereas on this occasion they they were pretty ready to go actually so Whilst generally speaking, there were definitely staffing issues, as I say, didn't really seem to impact the rides, which was good. But yeah, unfortunately, Iron Guazi did run into these issues. So we sort of had to turn around as soon as we got to Iron Guazi and, and instead we headed around to Cheetah Hunt, which the last time or the last few times we'd been to Bush Gardens in previous years, that had been generally the the ride that we start with because everyone can do it, everyone enjoys it. And I guess until the last couple of years, it was the the new hotness so far as roller coasters went. So that's where we went first. And it's still really good fun. It's super smooth still. I really like the back end of it in particular, where uh, you're kind of zipping around the old Rhino Rally space a little bit. RIP, nice. I do still miss that yeah. ride, but it does make for some nice surroundings for a roller coaster. The one thing I will say about it is that the sort of first half of the ride where all the where all the main launches are, that is still quite exhilarating, but I think suffers a little bit from the fact that quite a few new launch coasters have opened in Florida in the last few years. So it doesn't quite hold a candle now to things like Velocicoaster and Hagrid and perhaps even Cosmic Rewind, based on what people have said about that. But it's still got mm. a, a decent thrill factor to it, I would say. And if you turn up straight away as we did, it's not a ride you're really going to have to queue for. We, I mean, to put it into context, we were able to go on separately in pairs to avoid having to pay for the lockers. So... My sister and I went on while the parents looked after the bags and then we just swapped round and nice. uh, both pairs were basically walking straight onto that ride. So it's a good one to get done early doors uh, because it does still get fairly busy, but first thing in the morning you can get on that thing pretty quickly and it's a good way to start the day. I, I like, much as the case at Islands of Adventure with Hulk, I do like to start my day with a launch coaster. It feels like a good way to wake yourself up. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think it helps as well. I think that like the natural uh, progression out of the entranceway is to head kind of straight forwards towards Iron Guazi and then uh, through what is now Sesame Street and then onto Sheikra and that sort of area. So you're kind of doubling back on yourself a little bit to come to Cheetah Hunt. So it's like the more unnatural way of heading. So it kind of makes sense how that would be kind of uh, lighter in the morning. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Bush Gardens is that it's got the absolute opposite issue to Magic Kingdom, for example, or certain parts of the Universal Parks, i.e. the Harry Potter areas, where it very much feels like you can barely move. You have to shuffle around like a penguin because everyone's on top of one another. Bush Gardens, yeah. the walkways are so wide. They go off in so many different directions right from the very beginning of the theme park that you never really have that problem. Like... It always feels like you've got plenty of room to kind of spread out, walk at your own pace. And that's very much true 
as I say, from the start of the park, because as you say, whilst Iron Guazi is probably the first ride that you catch sight of, is obviously the newest thing there. Uh, your natural tendency might be to head there, but cheat to hunt if you instead kind of head round to the right as you need to to get to that past the Mayombi Reserve and the Gators and the big theatre. That kind of part of the park is it tends to be a little quieter first thing in the morning so it's not a bad way to go especially when you consider that if you do head around there you find yourself also pretty close to the Egypt area of the park where you can also find a couple of other good coasters as we did. Uh, one thing I did want to give a shout out to for Bush Gardens was that uh, this was the only park we went to this year where we could get on the car park tram love a good car park tram i think they've started up again at disney now but uh, we didn't go yeah. on them while we were there obviously they've never been a thing at universal not that they need them so it was nice to get on a car park tram uh, at, at bush gardens and uh, it's, it's a nice way to to start the day for sure for sure um i think uh, the kind of car park trams have been a bit of a mess for a while at Disney because they've been redoing all the entrance ways for the new, you know, and so a lot of the tramways have had issues with that as well, be that Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, uh, Epcot as well, I think. So, uh, and Animal Kingdom, they've all been doing it. So, uh, yes, yeah, been good. It's been quite some time since I've been on a uh, a tram. A car park tram, so it's good to see them still going strong at Bush Gardens. Indeed, yes, and as ever, it gives you a nice view of Montu as you're going uh, going around on the right. A nice view of Montu as you're heading around to the park entrance, and Montu, much like uh, Kraken at SeaWorld, has had a nice new paint job, so it's looking very, very bright and saturated in the Florida sun. Uh, not quite a kind of different. I don't think it's really got a different shade so it's blue and yellow as it always has been i i just think the fact that it's a new paint job it just looks very very striking because clearly the paint had worn away to quite a large extent over the years so it's looking very nice very bright it almost looks like if they wanted to it could be uh like a like a cyclops 90s x-men cyclops themed roller coaster it's very much that vivid shade of blue uh, and yellow which uh, is very striking i i like it and i still really enjoyed montu i mean that thing is getting on now in terms of age but i still think it's fantastic the first drop in particular is it's a bit of a doozy still so the the diving sensation which is obviously what it's going for uh, still works i think they still nailed it and and it's probably i'm trying to think is it my favorite inverted coaster in florida i mean there aren't that many of them now obviously dueling dragons was a great example but that's long gone so yeah. I, I reckon it probably is i mean i've got to be honest off the top of my head i can't even think of another one so maybe it is the best one by default i'm struggling because kraken kraken is a bit of a strange one because in my mind for a long time, basically before I worked up the courage to ride it as a kid, for some reason I always thought Kraken was inverted, but it, but it is not, of course. 
uh, it's just flawless, much like Shikra is, but neither of them are actually inverted. Yeah. Whereas Mon- Montu is, of course, and I can't think of another one. So, yeah, maybe that's not as much of a compliment uh, as I thought. But it's damn good still. I still think it's one of the best yeah. coasters at Bush Gardens. I really like Montu. Uh, the Cobra Roll kind of near the back end of the uh, circuit is, I think, really good. I've always had good fun on that. Certainly if you're sitting at the back, the whip you get on that Cobra Roll, roll is cracking. So, uh, yeah, always been quite pleased with uh, my experience of Monty, for sure. I mean, the one thing I will say is, uh, you know, when it comes to getting on these coasters, this was true of Cheek to Hunt Monty, it was true throughout the day, really. Much like SeaWorld, there wasn't really a great deal of queue management going on, so it was very much left to uh, guest zone devices to kind of fan out and decide which row they want to sit in and work out what the most efficient way of boarding was. When it's early in the day and there aren't that many people around, it's not really a big deal. So Cheetah Hunt, Montu, uh, Cobra's Curse, as we'll get to, uh, it, as I say, it was not an issue. There weren't enough people for it to feel like the boarding was being delayed because people didn't know what they were doing and didn't have enough direction. Uh, as mm. we kind of progressed through the day, there were definitely a few occasions where it felt like this queue should not be taking this long. It's purely because they're not loading them as efficiently as maybe they could be. Uh, but that wasn't an issue for Monty and we were able to ride on the back row, which, as you say, is probably the best row to sit on on Montu. Uh, I think for sure. be- better than the front even. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I find that quite a lot on inverted coasters that the back row is the better of the rows. Mm. Yeah, that would make some sense, I suppose, because uh, yeah, like you say, the whip is intense. Uh, speaking of speaking of whipping things, uh, Cobra's Curse, which feels like the closest thing to an Indiana Jones ride, I I would suggest in all of of Florida. I think the 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 queue theming on this is the best of the bunch at Bush. I don't necessarily think that is uh, an intense competition, but I do still think it's pretty good. Uh, it definitely gives me indie vibes. And, I, you know, I'm struggling to remember really how intense or how thorough the theming is on the indie coaster in Paris at Disneyland. Of course, I've never done the indie ride in California, but... Yeah, it feels very much like if you played a bit of John Williams in the Cobra's Curse queue, oh. I'd absolutely buy it as an indie ride. Like it's got the whole expedition archaeology uh, theming going yeah. on. And of course, uh, a villainous snake, which uh, is Indiana Jones's ultimate foe. You know, people think it's the yes. Nazis, but no. really it's the snakes. That's, that's the thing, because the snakes get into everywhere, right? Whereas the Nazis, eventually you can defeat the Nazis. It's tough to defeat snakes. Well, well, we thought we could, Josh. Uh, <laughs> modern life, perhaps, uh, proves differently. I, I, you know, beyond the queue, once you actually get on to Cobra's Curse, I enjoyed this a lot more than I remembered. I, I, you know, we, we kind of did it because we were around there, of course. You know, we uh, aspired to do every ride at every park. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily one that I was like, hell yeah, let's get on Cobra's Curse. But it's a really good time. I thought it was really, really good. I, you know, the the lift at the start remains uh, a nice novelty, and then the uh, the track itself and the I'd forgotten the extent of the spinning. So this is a spinning roller coaster, and 
depending on where you're sitting, uh, it means that a fair chunk of it can be you going backwards. And uh, we felt like we, it, it felt to us anyway that, that we were going backwards for a pretty extended period of time when we did Cobra's Curse this year. And I think that's the best way of doing it. It makes it stand out more than the other coasters. So very much enjoyed it. And of course, coming off the one of the main takeaways was, oh, I wonder how akin to this Cosmic Rewind will end up being obviously we've we've managed to get a little more insight into that ride since it opened but yet to do it ourselves so mm. uh, i'm i'm curious uh if and when i get back to epcot at some point in future uh to compare cosmic rewind to cobra's curse i uh, yeah i always like a good backward segment especially when you're not expecting it yeah which of course you you kind of are on this i mean obviously it's completely outdoors so it's not like anything is particularly hidden, but I guess because of the nature of the ride and it being a spinning coaster, you can't be certain until the backwards portion really gets going as to you know, how long the backwards section is going to be for you. Because if you're sitting in the other side of the coaster, then, then you'll be going forwards because of the way in which the two cars on each train yeah. rotate. So it makes it, you know, gives it some good re-ride potential for sure. And much like the other coasters that we've talked about so far, not really much of a queue to speak of at this point in the day. So uh, a good one once again to get done early doors. I, I think there is a strong case to be made for, you know, yeah, I, I get why you would start with Iron Gwazi, but then perhaps rather than head on over to Shikra and, and head straight up, I think there is a case to be made for veering off to the right just because... Cheetah Hunt 1, 2 and Cobra's Curse are all in very, very close proximity and you can whittle around them pretty quickly and get them done pretty efficiently. So that might be uh, a decent tip for people rather than... A park rush top tip. Almost leave them till last because if you go straight past Iron... If you do Iron Gwazi and then keep going upwards towards, you know, Shikra, etc. and then end up kind of almost looping all the way back round so that you're almost mm. doing Cheetah Hunt onto Cobra's Curse last, it feels, yeah, it feels like you, you might be screwing yourself over a little bit there. So, <laughs> yeah, I think there's a case to be made for whipping around and doing these early doors before the queues build. If, if we lived in Florida and so we had access to the parks day in, day out, uh, that would be a series that we'd do on TikTok or on our YouTube shorts. It would be uh, Park Rush Top Tips. Not to be confused with Park Rush Top Trumps. But, uh, no, they're coming soon. The merchandising yeah. deal is progressing well. The top trumps, I, I think, are signed, sealed and almost delivered. I don't know about the video game. Working on it. Yeah, you know, we're talking you know, talking to many uh, developers, publishers, that sort of thing, and uh, we'll get there when we get there. I think, you know, we've got to make, work out the right deal. Uh, before we return to the map, uh, and you guarding us around. I believe I'm right in saying that after this kind of first opening gambit of roller coasters, we did stop for uh, a bit of breakfast uh, just because we always go into Sultan Suites, which is uh, near the front of the park. Uh, it's like a ice cream parlor, but also a sweet shop and also a bakery kind of all housed in the same <laughs> building uh, so obviously we head to kind of the bakery section for our breakfast and 
you know, load up on a couple of muffins, uh, you know, your coffees and, and, and whatnot. And much like SeaWorld, for some reason, the prices are absolutely crazy, specifically for the coffees. It's all Starbucks stuff, and this was by far the most expensive way to get Starbucks across the entire trip. More expensive than Universal Starbucks, Disney Starbucks, actual Starbucks. I don't know why wow. there is such a huge tax on Starbucks at Bush Gardens, but... <laughs> Keep that in mind. Uh, it was one of those situations, much like at SeaWorld, where we, by the time you get into the checkout and and the guy says how much you owe, you're like, are you, what, really? I, I mean, okay, I guess so, right? I'm just going to sort of cover my eyes and hand over all of these yeah. dollar bills because it's just like, how much? Uh, I think we're paying sort of upwards of 50 bucks at both SeaWorld and Bush for, I mean... Essentially, sort of four pastries and four coffees of some description. It, it seemed absolutely insane. Yeah, really mad. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I mean, yeah, and there's no way. There's no way. I mean, I wouldn't buy Starbucks to begin with, but I wouldn't buy coffee to begin with personally, but that's ridiculous. Yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, you you do well to spend far north of 30 in someone like the Croissant Moon and even in the Starbucks locations at the Disney parks, you're certainly not paying anywhere close to to what we were paying at Bush and SeaWorld. So I, I have no idea what's going on there. I, I totally take the point, as I think I made last week at SeaWorld, where you are paying a lot less to get into these parks than you are at Disney and Universal yeah. And the ticketing options that are out there for like multi-day visits, they will often throw the parking in and there are, you know, you can definitely feel like you're getting a pretty good deal before you've actually got into the parks. Like if you've paid everything up front uh, and you kind of look at what you've spent, you think, oh, we've done quite well there. Uh, but then once you're in the parks, it feels like that's where they get you. Certainly on food and drink. It, it felt like Bush and SeaWorld were pretty overpriced. Uh, wow. Yeah. In, in isolation, but also definitely compared to the competition. Yeah. T talking about food and drink, actually, real quick, uh, my family are going through the process of making sure that everyone has water bottles ready for the holiday so they are no longer buying bottles of water in the parks. Uh, on another Park Crush top tip brought to us by John. That's That's a very good move i certainly had the experience of i mean i'm sure if it's you buy bottles of water each time you don't really think about it so much i am sure if we added up how much money we spent on bottled water at the parks we would be absolutely horrified so yeah that is that is definitely a uh a good tip well worth well worth doing cool so food so what what are you have is it is the family always having the same thing or is it whatever takes your fancy every time you go uh how's that working for you yeah it's always salt and sweets and it's always muffins or cookies things Just like always that. muffins and cookies yeah fair so that's in egypt is it or is that in morocco no, yeah, it's sort of Morocco, sort of the entrance. Yeah, it's round by the entrance. It's sort of you veer slightly right as you're coming in, basically, and it's a little bit before you get to the gator enclosure. So, salt and sweets ticked. You've had your expensive food, uh, coffee, and muffin. Uh, 
where where's next well you, where did you head did you head uh north from there or west from there oh well we know. yeah we kind of head up past iron guazi which by the time we'd kind of eaten and whatnot the queue for that had built up a little bit so we left that for the time being and we ended up coming back to it uh so we're kind of heading up towards uh stanleyville at this point so we pass iron guazi okay. on the right on our way around so you know there are various Various opportunities to see animals. As I say, though, uh, on this particular route, you would normally expect to see flamingos and possibly walk through the aviary, uh, but they were not uh, available while we were there because of this bird flu outbreak. I don't know what the situation is at the moment, uh, but they do, you know, you could do wallaby walkabout or whatever it's called. Uh, I maintain that I feel incredibly conflicted about this there are i think way too many wallabies in here uh, they do not oh, really? seem to have very much room they're all kind of just sprawled out in the sun uh in very close proximity to one another and they are certainly not bounding around as you would expect to see them in the wild i know that's never a realistic expectation of a of a zoo let alone a thing park that happens to have animals but this really does feel like it's way too small uh, if you don't care then <laughs> as a guest experience it's it's kind of neat because you can certainly get very close to them you can feed them now which i don't remember being able to do in the past and you can kind of tickle them on the chin and give them a little scratch and whatever it, it all makes them feel like very domesticated animals in a way that as i say might unsettle some people but if if you do not care about that and do not think about animals in that way then sure go to town feed these guys give them a cuddle whatever uh, i i yeah. i wasn't sure how to feel about that, it that's called walkabout way tom walkabout, walkabout way, way. Uh, as you said earlier you also kind of go past the sesame street section on this particular route uh, i think this the new sea world sesame street land obviously kind of blows this one out of the water i mean this has got a slightly different vibe this has always been a kind of like almost a sesame street safari kind of a situation whereas the one at sea world almost just feels like i mean it feels very disconnected from what sea world is it just feels like a, a sesame street land that you might find in basically any other thing park that might do a sesame yeah. street land the bush one feels a little bit more in keeping with the overall theme of the park but i've never really stepped foot in there in particular other than when i seem to remember a cookie monster t-shirt really catching my eye <laughs> uh, but they didn't have it in adult sizes which i mean i think is bordering on racist uh, so we yeah. headed past there and yeah eventually you kind of end up in stanleyville where you find uh, tigris and shikra and the stanleyville log flume I always find it a little bit weird, this kind of walkway from uh, the Sesame Street Safari Fun section into Stanleyville, where you go over the service road because all of the uh, park services, like the, you know, where the staff park and maintenance and all that stuff are, is in the dead centre of the park and everything's kind of built around it. Um, it's kind of like a weird way of doing a theme park, I guess, but it's, uh, it's how they've done it. Don't, and and you don't really notice it when you're walking along because they've got trees and that sort of thing going everywhere. But it's uh, yeah, it's a bridge. You kind of maybe could realise it once you're up on Shikra, but uh, not while you're walking around. So they did quite a good job of hiding it at uh, ground level. Yeah, relatively, relatively. 
I, I think that there is a little less attention paid to sight lines at this park than a Disney park, for example. I definitely think there are more opportunities for you to see behind the curtains, so to speak. But yeah, for the most part, I think it's it's not as bad as it could be. And this is a this is a pretty lively part of the park, not in terms of crowds necessarily. I mean, it was it felt like a fairly quiet day when we were there and because a lot of these kind of food stalls and, and funfair games and whatever else weren't staffed and weren't open that had an impact as well but in terms of the kind of kinetic energy around the place this is quite a lively area of the park because you've got obviously Shikra which is a, a coaster that definitely leaves a mark in terms of noise not because it's a particularly loud coaster I mean as it's as it's coming towards the bottom of the 200 foot 90 degree drop uh, and if you of course as people who've been there will know you can basically stand right where uh the coaster comes to the bottom of that drop where the photo op is you can basically stand right next to that and hear the roar of the coaster and of course the screams of everyone on mm. board you can also stand in the splash zone so uh Shikra generates plenty of noise there are some nice points to to sit and watch the log flume as well uh, which my dad and sister did while my mum and I went on that ride. And then Tigris as well is an interesting one because if you're watching it from a relative distance, if you're not queuing up for it basically and just trying to catch sight of it, one, it's quite difficult anyway because it's quite obscured by by trees, uh, but also it doesn't sound like the loudest ride in the world. I think partly because the most, I guess the most intense, the 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 kind of headline feature, if you like, of of the ride, which is this almost excruciatingly slow corkscrew. That isn't obviously really generating any noise, and it's also not the kind of manoeuvre that makes people scream at the top of their lungs. It's more of a like a sort of whimper, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah. It's kind of a whimper, <laughs> nervous <laughs> laugh, nervous laugh yeah. kind of a situation, more than a kind of, oh, my God, it's not quite that. Um, but when you're actually queuing for the ride, it's noisy as hell because... Uh, okay, sure. You're sort of like, in it, right? Well, because because it comes back through the station, it's one of those rides. Hmm. And when it comes back through the station, it does so at such speed uh, that it really feels like the whole station, which of course is kitted out with you know screens hanging down and and fans and lights and whatever it feels like the whole place is shaking and everything attached to it's <laughs> kind of rattling like it's uh it's one of those rides where very much the closer you get to boarding it uh, the nerves really pick up because you, you yeah you, the, your senses are on high alert uh, and yeah i guess while we're here I'll just talk about tigers this thing's insane this thing's absolutely crazy <laughs> Like there are multiple <laughs> points where you feel like you are just going to fall out and die. And, uh, wow. yeah, I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you want to live life on the edge, uh, this is, this is, I mean, this in almost the best possible way. This is the most unsafe I felt on a roller coaster throughout the, 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 the whole holiday, but not in the same way as kind of like an aging Woody, for example, where you maybe feel like, I think this thing needs to be torn down. You know, some bolts are going to come loose and the whole thing's going to collapse like Lego. Uh, Tigris, you know, absolutely not that at all. Obviously, it's very new. The restraints are, are excellent. 
you you feel you feel very much strapped in, but at the same time, the restraints are definitely designed in a way. You know, they're over the head, uh, but they're very much designed in a way to uh, when you're doing this almost slow motion roll. Uh, they're designed to let you almost fall out of your seat just enough to feel like yeah. you're gonna you're gonna topple out, but clearly there's absolutely no risk or danger of that happening. So yeah, it's it's like scientifically tuned to make you feel like you're unsafe whilst also clearly being safe. So it's from that perspective it's it, it it does what it sets out to achieve i would i would have thought it's uh it, it's it's uh it's unlike anything else i think in in florida i think even compared to icebreaker it's probably the closest point of comparison um, this i think is is the superior coaster to to that but it's not for everyone and you know i think some people would think that's just a torture device it's not a roller coaster <laughs> and i could uh, i could appreciate that perspective but i i thought it was really good fun i enjoyed it a lot well what can i say uh it's high praise indeed and this is where the boat ride used to be correct yeah what was it the ta- taggy no, i'm gonna butcher it it was something tidal wave yeah that is what used to be here uh, that that was there was not ever much to that ride i seem to remember it was a pretty dull little jaunt uh, until the yeah. final drop, which even that wasn't as a drop anything to write home about. It was purely the splash. Didn't it, uh, it, was didn't it have like just, two drops in it? It like dropped I, once and then... I don't remember. I mean, you, I went on it once or twice uh, in, in the past and you get absolutely soaked. Yeah. And there's a there's a bridge. There was a bridge that overlooked. I assume the final drop. And if you stood on that, you would also get just obliterated by water. Uh, but other yeah. than that, I don't really remember much about it. I seem to remember it being pretty dull. But if you wanted to get soaked, it was probably the best bet in the park. Maybe even more so than the Congo River Rapids, which uh, while I remember had been. Uh, was was all dried out uh, while we were there. It was it was it was down for I, I guess some sort of annual or you know regular maintenance. So um, there was no water in that river. Climate change. The river is, for you. Uh, absolutely, Tom. Absolutely, climate change. You got to be you got to be concerned about these things. Yeah, I guess Tigris worthy far far better rise. So worthy of the replacement for sure. I think it is Tigris. By the way, I, I'm pretty certain it's not Tigris. Tigris makes I mean, sense, the, right? Because it's like a tiger. Yeah, it's, it does make way more sense. I think the fact that anyone ever, including myself, thought it might be Tigris, I think says a lot about me being an idiot. It's clearly Tigris. What? Maybe if it was at Disney, is... they'd call it Tigris and be like, it's a Tigger ride. But yeah, I think I think outside that, that context, it's clearly Tigris. And that is how everyone was saying it in the videos and on the tannoys and... And whatnot. Uh, I'm sure if you went back and listened to our previous Bush Gardens trip report, which would have been from 2019, uh, Tigris was very close to opening when I was there that year. It, we missed it by a matter of perhaps days, if not, you know, only a week or two. I, I, I would have thought because it opened in April 2019, and we were there in March and possibly early April. 2019 so we so we only just missed it 
and uh, yeah, I was glad to to get it done. It, it's, I'm looking here that it, it apparently gets up to 62 miles an hour. I mean, it feels faster than that. I mean, I, I think when it's, I think it's because normally when a, a coaster is reaching their top speed, it's kind of out in the open. Whereas I think in the case of Tigris, I, I think it, I think it's, I reckon it's going at 62 when it comes back through the station. Like I cannot. I mean, it's blink and you miss it when you're sort of standing there waiting to ride, and it zips past you. Uh, yeah, it's blink and you miss it stuff. Like it's going very, very fast. So I reckon that might be the point at which it's going at its top speed, uh, which would explain why it's quite so loud and feels like the whole loading area is going to collapse because it, it's just yeah. shaking so much. That will that would be the top speed because that's obviously the launch part of the ride is there, isn't it? So as it uh, then fires yeah. over the loop, so it's it's very good. It's very good. Uh, uh, you've also, of course, in this part of the park, you've got Shikra. I mean, I think Shikra is still terrifying. There's still nothing quite like that very, very slow ascent uh, to the to the top. It is, of course, it's no longer long the ascent. tallest. Uh, it's no longer the tallest coaster in the park now. Guazi uh, beats it by a, a few feet, and it's actually striking uh, how fast Iron Guazi gets you to the top. Whereas, of course, Shikra has always done it very slowly. By design, it, it builds the tension. And again, much like other rides that I've spoken about on these trip reports, it's the type of thing where you, you really feel like, oh, I should be fully prepared for this now. I've done this so many times over There's so many years. Time. What more can it, you know, how much more terrifying can it get or be? This should be a cakewalk, but... No, it still gets me. It's still <laughs> pretty terrifying. And yeah, I mean, once you've done that drop and the the big loop that you head into and then bail out of immediately afterwards, the rest of the ride feels like a bit of a formality. But in fairness, the second drop that you do, I mean, that on any other coaster would be would be a, a kind of a, a high point. Uh, on this, yeah, because you've because you've done a two hundred foot ninety degree before the before then, it kind of is like ah, whatever, a formality, I guess. But I I believe the second drop is taller than the drop on Oblivion. Yeah, I think I think that would make sense, right? I mean, you think of Oblivion, yeah. and and as we'll talk about, uh, you know, in some weeks to come, whenever we do our Efteling trip report, the uh, dive coaster they've got there, Baron. I think both of those are, but because they sort of do that thing where you, you're almost diving underground uh, into a tunnel. Um, yeah. They're not as tall as they seem. Uh, I think you're right. The second drop on Shikra, I mean, on any other ride of this type, would be the drop. <laughs> and on this, it's just a sort of, ah, yeah, we'll chuck another one in, you know. Yeah, and I, I guess a good shout out here as well, Shikra. Um, if you go to Bush Gardens Williamsburg, the other Bush Gardens park in America, uh, they have a near identical ride to Shikra called Griffin. Um, so that's you know Tom's discussion here, our discussion here of, of Shikra. If you're going to Williamsburg, this is what uh, Griffin is like over there. It's it's technically slightly taller, but. Uh, it's it's five foot, and once you're up at those heights, it doesn't really make a difference. No. And then the final ride over here is the Stanleyville Log Flume. There's not really 
much to say about it at all. You don't get particularly wet. I mean, this, I think, of all the rides in the park was the one that was clearly being loaded the most inefficiently. They were just letting parties go on without anyone else. So you had boats going by with two people on them, some boats going by with four people. It, it, it was quite frustrating. I mean, it's the type of thing where you appreciate it to an extent once you're actually on the ride because it is nice to be on a boat just with people you know you know when it comes to pictures and things like that it's always preferable but certainly you know if you're if you're one of these just get me on the ride as quickly as possible kind of people then it's maybe something to consider the the queue for this maybe won't move as fast as it should because they don't seem to care about loading the boats fully uh, to to make the queue move faster uh, my favourite thing about this ride has always been the fact that it really does feel like a roller coaster tycoon prefab ride. Uh, there's really no <laughs> theming going on. There's no attempt to kind of obscure parts of the track or or anything like that. It's uh, yeah, it's it's the type of ride you can, to be honest, spend most of it just kind of having a chat with whoever's in the boat with you, and and then you kind yeah. of ham it up for the last drop and the photo. <laughs> And then go about the rest of your day after that. Oh, that sounds good to be fair. And uh, to be fair, I mean, I might need your assistance here with the map because this part of the park, I, I, I find quite confusing in terms of how to get places. So you've got, you've got yeah, the, I'm... what is it? The Timbuktu, is it? Where Scorpion is and uh, Ch- Cheetah Chase or what used to be Cheetah Chase and is now Sand Serpent. Is that Timbuktu? Uh, and it, but so that's called you, Pantopia. Pantopia, that's it. But and then you've also got Jungala and the Congo. And, and the Congo. How exactly you get to each of these is not uh, particularly obvious. It's very easy to end no. up going the wrong way. And uh, you know, one of the most striking things about Jungala, uh, which is relatively new as in the history of Bush Gardens. Uh, I feel like, and it certainly happens to us, most people in Jungala are, of course, there to see the tigers and the orangutans, uh, but also are in there because they're trying to find Congo and have maybe gone the wrong way. <laughs> like, it's not super easy to navigate this part of the yeah. park. Uh, I feel like we got lost here last time we went because uh, there's, like, the treetop trails through here as well and the orangutan hab- uh, habitat. Um, so that can get a little bit confusing um, but there's like a basically you kind of have to wander around until you find a bridge with a roller coaster going over it and that's that's your entry point into uh, the Congo River Rapids and uh, Kumba I guess yeah I mean I will say about Jungala is in years gone by it's always been worth checking out because the tiger and orangutan enclosures uh, were quite well designed had some good sight lines some good opportunities to take some nice photographs this time it didn't really feel so much like that it was very hot so it might have had something to do with why it felt like there weren't very many animals but also the tiger enclosures in particular, there were a lot of sight lines and parts of the route through that, the walkways, which were boarded up, boarded off, not really 
quite sure why that was, but it felt like it wasn't really worth doing, to be honest. I don't think we saw a tiger. We saw a few orangutans, but not as many as in years gone by. So, yeah, I don't know if we just got unlucky. Your mileage obviously varies every time you go to a zoo or an animal park. They don't nail these things to the ground, so they're always (laughs) there. Uh, you do have to appreciate that sometimes you may just not see them. So that may well have been the case, but it was certainly true that, as I say, there were kind of walls up and, and, and certain windows and, uh, and sight lines boarded up in the tiger enclosure. So don't quite know why that was the case, but uh, it was quite, quite disappointing because, as I say, mm. traditionally it was quite a good tiger enclosure so far as those go. Kumba and the Congo River Rapids, uh, as I said, the Congo River Rapids were not operating. Kumba, and there are these rumours, of course, that it might not be long for this world. I think Bush Gardens, oh. when those rumours were swirling earlier in the year, I think they may have originated on Screamscape. I believe Bush Gardens publicly denied them. Having ridden it, I mean, I've thought this for quite some time anyway about Kumba. It is a bit rough these days. I mean, it's Hulk's sister coaster, I believe, and dates back to around that time. And, of course, Hulk has had an extensive or a complete retrack since then and has been given a new lease of life. Kumba has absolutely not had that, and I think you can tell. But I did get an excellent bit of video, which is on the YouTubes, I think, or on the Twitters. I'll, I'll put, as ever, a link to the Twitter thread from my day at Bush Gardens in the show notes. And if you scroll down far enough, yeah, that Kumba clip is there. It's it's a chef's kiss of a video. Yes. Stun- stunning. It's an absolute banger. Uh, I'm disappointed, actually, because that's the one that should have done far better, right, than it has done. Yeah. I mean, people don't appreciate fine art unfortunately clearly can i couldn't do better that's that's all i'm saying you know there's there's no way what else is around here in the congo i mean you've got the bumper cars of course yeah a ton else going on and then you've got pantopia which is all sort of mostly funfair games and flat rides you've got your swinging pirate ship and uh, you know that's kind of the standout among the flat rides that, that that also was not running uh, and then you've got Scorpion, which is, uh, I guess, I mean, it, it was always, Bush Gardens always sold it as being one of their kind of big boys. I remember I've got, uh, from years and years ago, I've got a Defy the Five T-shirt oh. from Bush Gardens, which I think at the time were, were was, uh, they considered their kind of five as Sheik, Rakumba, Montu, Scorpion and OG Guardi. So, right. you know, they ranked it among uh, among their heavy hitters. I mean, I always kind of saw this as like kids' first quote-unquote big boy coaster because it's pretty small. It doesn't last long. You only need to worry about a lap bar, but it has that one, that one loop, you know. Right, yeah. Uh, and again, I, I think like Kumba, it's it's a little rough these days and has one of the absolute worst uh, breaks 
on any coaster at the end you really need to prime yourself for the for the break as you're coming back into the station because if you're not prepared that lap bar is going right into your stomach i mean it it comes into you so hard that the lap bar actually broke on my impeccable abs but for a lot of other people it just looked like they got really badly winded so you know if you're not ripped like me it could be a problem for you yeah be careful that's all we're saying yeah Absolutely. Uh, but not a ton else going on in Pantopia. I mean, the the theatre, which I feel like has had various things in it over the years. I remember when it was a 4D pirate show. I think there was a point where it was a, a live animal show. There was nothing going on in there. And in fact, a bit like SeaWorld, actually, uh, the, the, the kind of consistent vibe across all of Busch Gardens was, if you told me this, is only, this had only just reopened from COVID about two weeks ago, I'd believe you. It, it felt quite understaffed and there were just lots of things that kind of can elevate a theme park in terms of your overall experience. You know, as you're going from ride to ride, you know, are there things to occupy you and 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 excite you and make it more than just... Because I think you know sometimes theme parks can feel like if you just if you're purely just going from ride to ride to ride it can almost feel like a bit of a military operation you know it's like right we've done that ride where we're going next we've done that ride where we're going next and and bush gardens because there were certain animal enclosures that were closed because a lot of the shops and stands and restaurants and whatever else weren't open because in some cases some rides were down as i said most of the flat rides in pantopia it just felt a little bit low energy and not in a way that I have appreciated in the past about Busch Gardens where it almost feels like a bit of a release from the intensity yeah. of Disney it felt low energy and a bit more of a sad are you guys getting ready to close down or something way <laughs> so <laughs> I hope that things have improved since then you know for the summer season but that was the vibe I got while we while we were there uh, when we went at the end of April, so yeah, yeah, I hope things have improved. But uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, it, it it was a bit of a it was a bit of a bummer at points. But that was kind of my overall take on the park. Really, like weirdly low energy, a a bit sad. <laughs> in terms of the overall vibe, but has undeniably so many excellent roller coasters that if if that's what you're there for, it's it's still worth a visit. And I guess that brings us to Iron Guazi, which I must admit, I didn't love Iron Guazi, but Ooh. there's no denying that, you know, you look at the numbers on a sheet in front of you, in terms of the top speed, the length of the track, the height yeah i mean they're, they're off the scale or they're, they're beyond anything else certainly in florida and as far as hybrid steel woody coasters go i mean this thing's setting u.s wide records let alone florida records but i don't know i i, I didn't i can't say that i enjoyed it necessarily and some of that is down to the restraint, actually. So I was saying earlier oh, about Tigris, how that thing feels unsafe, <laughs> but in a 
in a in a in a still reassuring way whereas this one yeah. i mean the lap bar is pretty minimal actually and and i and i felt unsafe again look clearly clearly you're not actually unsafe but it's just how you feel right on a ride you know your mileage varies and for me personally i felt almost uncomfortably unsafe i could have done with a little bit more uh of a restraint personally it kind of took away from my enjoyment of it a little bit and uh it because it just made the kind of inversions and the feel a little bit uncomfortable uh, there's nothing really to support your head either which is sometimes an issue for me and uh i think in terms of kind of big old drops on coasters i've i guess i've decided that the kind of slow building of tension on a shikra i think is preferable than a let's just get you up here as quickly as we can so we can get on with this which is very much the <laughs> iron guazi approach so yeah I uh, yeah I I did not enjoy it as much as I'd hoped, but again uh, it's worth me um, reiterating what I said earlier, which is I didn't feel great in general on this day, and we didn't end up doing Iron Guazi until relatively late in the day, and by that point yeah I was probably feeling at my worst, so I wasn't in the mm. best headspace probably to enjoy it. Uh, I mean my dad and sister did enjoy it, but it, it wasn't their favourite coaster of the day either so you know i think it's one of those where it's almost like when you build a ride it felt to me anyway a little bit like when you build a roller coaster on roller coaster tycoon and you go into it just wanting to make all the numbers as big as possible and then you kind of worry about whether it's enjoyable later and of course ultimately yeah in roller coaster tycoon you don't need to worry as to whether it's actually enjoyable because it's not real and uh you know if your fake little computer video game people are telling you that the ride's uncomfortable it doesn't actually matter because you just like how big you've made all the numbers. Uh, whereas in real life, uh, you know, just having big numbers isn't, yeah. isn't necessarily enough. Uh, I think if you're like a super coaster aficionado who just gets a kick out of the fact that you've done a roller coaster where all the numbers are massive, uh, then you'll probably get a real kick out of it. But I don't know, for me yeah. personally, who despite doing a thing pop podcast, I would still describe myself as like a i i'm not at like the top end of like thing park crazies so yeah it wasn't something that i hugely enjoyed to be honest yeah i think there's there's while we're in the theme parks we're kind of a uh a breadth podcast i would say more than a depth podcast um yeah. in terms of you you have once you've it's almost like being a doctor right you you become a doctor and then you specialize in your different uh, you can be a surgeon or you can be a GP or you can, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, it's kind of like that. And some people go hard on roller coasters, a big the coaster enthusiast. People go hard on, like, uh, dressing up and that sort of thing, like Disney bounding and that sort of thing. Um, and I think I, I, I'm certainly more uh, big coaster orientated than than you are. But uh, for the most part, we are we're, we're def definitely a breadth kind of podcast. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I, I enjoy theme parks at a relatively surface level. I think, you know, you, you think of most theme park podcasts, theme park outlets, you know, and, and as you say, they're going deep on, on certain things about theme parks, right? So there'll be certain websites and blogs out there that can recite every menu, every food kiosk at every one of these parks. There'll be others yeah. that can just list off every stat 
about Iron Guazi, uh, like they're doing their ABCs. And then there's and then there's me who like still very much tries to talk about theme parks in the way that I would talk about them with my family at the dinner table. Which I hope, you know, has its use to certain people who, you know, go to theme parks in a similar in a similar way, you know. And I think even yeah. even the Euro Rush trip that we just did, where of course we were trying to create lots of content to share, uh, it was still very much done from a place of not yeah, almost sort of casual enjoyment rather than like, oh my god, what did you think of the uh, specific animatronic tech used on Symbolica, <laughs> or you know, what were the exact G's at this? point on python or whatever you know so take that into account if you're a coaster crazy i reckon iron guazi is probably one of the best things you'll ever do i think if you're a little bit more of a casual fan then yeah i think it's telling that it was nobody's favorite coaster at bush gardens let alone of the trip yeah um, I think I would in- probably enjoy it more than you. I think it's probably fair to say, based on our levels. Uh, but obviously, I'm, I need to go out there and ride it at some point to, to test that theory. Yeah, I think it's as well because it doesn't have any one particular... There's, there's not one particular thing about it that stands out necessarily. So, like, Tigris, for example, as I said earlier, is like pretty intense and... And crazy, but it's got this one very specific moment, if you like, this this slow motion inversion, and that was kind of my main takeaway from Tigris. Whereas with Iron Guazi, yeah. it's just like a constant onslaught of uh, of of big numbers, essentially. Like, look at this massive drop. Look at this super fast inversion. Uh, look at X Y Z, and I think there's only so far that takes you really uh it's also you know guazi never was a particularly scenic roller coaster uh iron guazi isn't either really it does i mean they have literally knocked down guazi and then just built this big old thing there in its place it's uh it's it's not the kind of ride where you kind of feel like you want to take in your surroundings necessarily like this is the type of thing that it feels like could have been built in a big car park somewhere and would achieve all the same things like it doesn't really gain anything from being in bush gardens if that makes sense like you could you could airlift this thing and drop it just about anywhere else in the world and it would be exactly the same experience it's not like if you airdrop the hagrid track out of that area and dump it in a car park it's nowhere near the same experience same with something yeah. like Velocicoaster or whatever else i'm guazi you can drop this in a shopping mall car park. You get just as much out of it. I would, I would suggest. There you go. <laughs> what, what a, what a beautiful description of the ride. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it, Josh. I mean, the only other thing I'll say about it. I mean, we did some of the other animal stuff. So like the Myombi Reserve is still decent. Uh, it's where you can see gorillas and chimpanzees and whatnot. Uh, the Serengeti nice. uh, Railway is as i said earlier one of the hottest places on earth i didn't enjoy it for that reason on this occasion because again i didn't feel great uh, the serengeti yeah. safari which is the paid extra 
where you go out on the back of a truck, feed giraffes. Didn't do that this year, have done it in the past. Uh, it's really great. Uh, I, I recommend it. It's, uh, you know, beyond going out to do like a, an actual safari in South Africa or somewhere. You know, this is quite an approachable, relatively affordable way of getting up close any, and personal with animals that you otherwise wouldn't be able to. Uh, but you'd be any reason didn't you didn't do it? Do it? Oh yeah, no, not really. I mean, we just we've done it before. Not not of a mind to pay extra for it, having done it before. Fair. Yeah, and uh, that that was it really. You know, we've done it once, I think, and you kind of feel like that's 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 it. You know, you, you feel feel no real need to do it again. Actually, I think we've done it twice because the first time we did it, my sister was terrified of the giraffes. <laughs> and, uh, we, did, we did it again a few years later. Brilliant. I can't think of anything else that I have to say about any Bush any free Gardens. beers on offer at Bush Gardens this year. Not while we were there. I do believe that that is something they have been doing uh, more recently. As of recording, I've definitely seen people on Twitter talking about that. They they have a a food festival. I don't know if that's still going on. I think we just missed that. It was the same at SeaWorld, actually, funnily enough. They also had a, a food festival that had been set up, but it just was not open while we were there. So, uh, yeah, they do do stuff like that semi-regularly, don't they? Like concerts and, and food festivals and, and, yeah. and beer promotions and things like that. So, yeah, I'm sure if you timed your trip with one of those, the whole place would definitely feel a bit livelier, which I think would add to your enjoyment. So that yeah. would be definitely um, something worth looking into if you're thinking of heading over to Bush Gardens at some point soon maybe try and time it with one of the events they've got on I think the giraffe bar inside the Serengeti Overlook Cafe which is in Egypt um, has like a like a proper beer thing going on like you can become a beer club member there and uh, you have like you can keep like a tankard there that they keep stored for you and then you come along and drink out of your own cup every time that's like a pewter cup sort of thing um they've got like various uh breweries on show and that sort of thing uh and i'm pretty sure they did that i i assume it's still going i haven't checked if i'm honest but um that's kind of a cool thing and it kind of harkens back to the old days of bush gardens yeah definitely yeah when it was anheuser bush mm. um yeah i uh, I have in the past super loved Bush Gardens and I feel like it is past its peak. It's seen better days, I would say, which is a strange thing to say because on paper you look at it and are like, well, it's just added Iron Guazi, which on paper looks incredible. And a couple of years ago it added Tigris, which again is a really sort of unique thrilling addition and cheetah hunt's not that old and it's still got a lot you know you look at the map it's still got a lot of the stuff that you remember you know rhino rally obviously has been gone for quite some time now but a lot of the old standbys are still there there's new stuff it's just it's difficult to put your finger on why it just does not feel you know where's the je ne sais quoi you know josh uh it, that's yeah. a very sort of vague uh way of of trying to put your finger on what's changed and why it doesn't quite feel as great as it once did but i do think that kind of there is an intangible element to the enjoyment of a theme park 
and you've kind of either got it or you haven't. And I don't think Bush Gardens yeah. had it while we were there. It just felt a bit off. And, you know, and there were certain things that I've spoken about which you know, add up to explaining why that was the seemingly understaffed uh, kiosks and shops, etc. You know, the hiring signs that were up all over the place. Uh, the way the park didn't feel particularly busy, but at the same time, certain rides felt busier than they should because of the way the queues were being managed. You know, all that stuff kind of adds up, I suppose. But I guess, you know, even if you go to somewhere like, you know, even in the past, I've spoken about how the slightly more relaxed vibe has been quite appealing uh, and almost worked in its favour. Uh, whereas now, I'm not sure that it does. And that's worth taking into account, perhaps. But once again, caveated with the fact that it is a much cheaper day out than your Disney's and your Universal's. And if you appreciate that and take that into account, then some of this stuff will perhaps be easier to overlook. But I think the fact that it was, in my mind, it's been better before, it's seen better days, I think that's that's the issue, really. Uh, and of course, COVID, no one should forget that. But it's been back up and running and open for over two years now. You maybe would have expected it to feel a bit livelier than it did. Yeah, I think you know uh, SeaWorld as a brand, like the the, the main company is uh, SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment that owns both SeaWorld and Bush Gardens. Um, I think they've obviously taken a hit with everything going on with the SeaWorld Parks because there's there's a number of them. There's obviously the uh, Florida one, there's San Diego, there's a Texas one. And I think there's one more somewhere, I think. Um, so obviously all of those parks have taken a hit. And I think off the back of that, Bush has taken a bit of a hit as well because obviously financially there's less money and that sort of thing. Um, and obviously where Tampa, where Bush Gardens Tampa is, um, you're kind of relying on realistically you're relying on people going to uh disney world and universal for a fair chunk of their uh you know customers going to those parks and then coming over to bush gardens tampa whereas uh bush gardens williamsburg which is from my understanding generally considered in a better state right now uh doesn't have to worry on those things so much um it's a bit more regional um, and so it it does favorably there and uh yeah so that's it's, there's a couple you know there's a culmination of things of why maybe bush gardens temper is feels a little has a little uh it's lost a bit of its edge i guess yeah that makes sense that makes sense for sure uh yeah i mean you're considering a trip are you not in october is that right yeah there is there is a uh... There's some contemplation going on, some discussions around a potential trip to the US, uh, predominantly for uh, sport. Uh, we're looking to go uh, to, a, to a city that has a lot of sport going on, uh, so maybe like a New York or a uh, San Francisco or a LA. Um, but then on our way back, going via uh, Tampa for a Thursday night football game, at which point 
maybe going to Bush Gardens if we have the chance. So uh, it's all mm. we're still very much up in the air right now, but if we can make it happen, it's going to happen. Well, I hope so. I'd be uh, interested to hear your thoughts on Iron Gwazi and Tigris for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'd be interested to hear as well from anyone out there who has you know feedback on almost feedback on my feedback about Bush Gardens. Like, am I? Do you feel like I'm being a bit unfair to it? Do you have any insight into into specific reasons why it maybe feels the way it does right now? Has have things improved since even? April. I mean, we're, we're getting deeper into summer here. They'll start to expect more international guests over the next few weeks. Is it in a better state now than it was back then? I, I'll be I'll be interested to hear that. Uh, you can get in touch with the show podcast at parkrush.com or on Twitter at parkrush podcast. All the social channels, uh, TikTok as well, Instagram, etc., can be found at links.parkrush.com. Parkrush.com itself is where you can find every episode of the show and the RSS feed too. But we are, of course, available on all good podcasting apps. And if the one that you use supports ratings and reviews, then uh, one or both of those things would be greatly uh, appreciated. Uh, So, yeah, that's going to do it. I think that's everything. Stay safe out there, everybody, and we'll be back next week with another florida trip report i think we're going to do discovery cove so uh, be back for that see you then goodbye see ya